The venerable Channa indulged in bad habits. Episode 88. 88 miles per hour! Well, that was fun. Thank you, Dr. Emmett Brown. Um, where was I? Yes, this is Tipitaka Part 27, in which I will recite Sangha de Sessa 11. I don't know what it is yet. 10 was about schisms. Don't do them. Don't do it. It's naughty. Um, 11, I, I'm not sure what it's about yet, so we'll find out together. But first, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Chen Rezig, also known as Avalokiteshvara, also known as Kuan Yin, also known as Canon. See, this is Canon. Uh, she's known by other names in Japanese. Uh, Kuan Yin, of course, is uh, a goddess, sort of, a bodhisattva goddess, a woman goddess, woman Buddha in uh, China. But she comes from Avalokiteshvara, who was originally male. At some point, he transitioned as he was moving eastward into China. Um, not sure how that went down, but maybe, perhaps, you and I will find out together sometime in the next several years as we read all of these books. So for those of you who have not seen my face before, on this podcast, we're starting at the very, very beginning of Buddhism, and we're going to work our way all the way to, uh, to Japanese Zen which covers a span of about 1,800 years. And then after that, I might read some newer stuff, but honestly, I'm not that interested in anything from after the 1240s, as far as Buddhism goes. Anyway, um, but if this is your first time seeing me, I do recommend starting here with the, uh, that's the Tibitaka playlist, and start with episode one of Tibitaka, Parajika part one. Parajika means defeats. There are four defeats. That means really big rules. That means if you break one of these rules, you're out of here, buddy. And uh, there are 13 Sangha de Sessas, which means formal meetings, roughly. That's where all the, whoever's around, basically, obviously, if there's like monks hanging out in different areas, they're not going to like send word out, send a messenger, get everybody to come together because one monk did something naughty. But whoever's like around, basically, like, gets together and they have a formal meeting in which whoever's in charge, in the case of these scriptures, the Buddha was still with us, 
Um, so he confronts the monk and says, did you do this? And everybody knows that he's very psychic, right? So they don't dare lie to him, which is uh, why he just can take their word for it when they say, I didn't do it, Lord. And then they kick out the woman that accused them instead of uh, kicking out the man that was accused because he said he didn't do it. And the Buddha's psychic, so he knows it's the truth. That's why it's not totally screwed up. I'm deciding to perceive it that way. They did mention that he's very psychic, so I think everybody there was, you know, like they dare not lie to him when he directly asks them, directly asks them a question. They would just try to dance around something and like indirectly answer or say something that has a double meaning. Like at one point they said, you know, uh, what's his name? Nabo. That wasn't his name. They said the name of a monk had done something naughty, but it was actually a goat that they saw, and they decided to name him the same name as that monk so that they could honestly say that they saw Nabo do the bad thing, but they were talking about the goat. Tricky. Trying to fool the lie detector, the psychic lie detector. But he, he saw right through it, of course, because... He's Lord Buddha. Um, so yeah, in these early scriptures, the nice thing about them is it's kind of the closest that we have to like a tape recording of what he actually said. Um, these were the earliest writings remembered by people who heard it from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from someone who was actually there when he said these things, presumably. So uh, yeah. So if you've ever read, like, you know, the Mahayana Sutras that were kind of composed in China a thousand years after Lord Buddha walked the streets of India and present-day Nepal, of course, um, and wondered, you know, did Lord Buddha really say this? Uh, you know, probably not. What it probably was was that a monk really thought that this was an important thing and he wanted to get the point across and he didn't want to say Monk Joe had this thought so he wrote a sutra that says the Lord Buddha said it or he astrally experienced it some of the some of the uh, like for example the Lotus Sutra there's like millions of people present at Vulture Peak I don't think there's room for millions of people at Vulture Peak but uh, but yeah there's goblins and, and, and snake gods and all these people and they're all listening to Lord Buddha and he's got a ray shooting out of his eye so that sounds like an intense astral experience and it might be a genuine uh, intense astral experience if you're into those um, but spoiler uh, when we get further into the reading, either you're going to have to fall off and say, okay, I'm not interested in this podcast anymore, or suspend your disbelief and accept that there are genuine astral experiences and that it's not all just dreams or things people made up. Unless you're into dreams and things people made up. Or if you want to approach it uh, as sort of a Lord of the Rings, like, well, these are really interesting, intense stories. Like, I want to get ideas for an anime I'm working on. Like, however you want to experience this podcast is up to you. Um, I mean, I can't really say how I'm experiencing it. I mean, I can as I go. Um, I can say that it's been a little demystifying. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. Uh, reading these early, early scriptures... Um, finding out kind of how mundane things actually were when uh, when it comes to the life of the Buddha teaching the monks 
and how he had to kind of discipline them and deal with all these situations that came up. But it's nice to catch glimpses of Lord Buddha's personality and uh, kind of feel like, oh, wow, okay, this is, this is who he was, you know. Because when I was reading, you know, later Mahayana Sutras, I'm like, I don't think this is Lord Buddha, you know. Um, but in some ways, I've come to realize he was a little more like how he's depicted in the Lotus Sutra than I realized. More so than like how he's depicted in like Alan Watts lectures, you know what I mean? Um, or like, you know, sort of a, like a hippie on LSD, like in the desert saying, the Buddha says it's all one, man. You know, it's like, well, he hasn't gotten to that part yet. Um, if he does say that at some point, but so far he hasn't. He says things like, foolish man, what made you think it was a good idea to have sex with that woman? It's better that you put your male organ into the mouth of a poisonous snake. It's like, okay, okay, that was what the Lord Buddha said. Okay, all right, you know. Um, and uh, then pondering that for a day or two or five or 20. Um, and drawing, you know, my own conclusions about it and hopefully... Hopefully you're drawing your conclusions. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. But um, but yeah, sometimes I do these long introductions, so most people will, uh, will click away if I want to start talking about something controversial. And I do. This is episode 88, and those damn white supremacists in America and probably other places think that they can take the number 88 for themselves because... H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, so 8-8 eight, eight means Heil Hitler. Huh? You can't have 88, assholes. You just can't. 88 was the year I went to France and New York. It was also the year my grandfather died. It's also the number of miles per hour you have to go to time travel and back to the future. It's also two figure eights. It's, it's such a beautiful number. It's also, let's see, let's do some gematria here. Uh, is, is it the tower? Is it pay? As you can see, I'm a little rusty. Pechet. That means something, no doubt, in, in uh, Kabbalistic gematria. So you can't have it. You just can't. Here in India, when you see a swastika painted with, with, with spray paint underneath an overpass, that means that there is a homeless devotee of Hanuman or Ganesh, nearby and usually you'll find a little shrine a little box with a little plastic ganache perhaps that they found in the river and uh, little candles next to it it's really sweet so it's really interesting because of course when you see that same thing sprayed under an overpass in the states it means something entirely different further 14 you can't have it i don't know uh, someone explained to me where that comes from, probably a civil war thing or something stupid. But there are 14 pieces of the body of Osiris that were scattered throughout Egypt. And Isis and the gang brought them. Not that Isis. You can't have Isis either. Isis is a goddess, not a terrorist organization. Anyway, I'm taking it back. Taking these things back. 14 stations of the cross. Right? 88 keys on a piano. So, I'm sorry... To, to the white supremacists, the, the American white supremacists, the Gorkas, I think, would back me when I say, you can't have the swastika, we're taking it back. You can't have 88, you can't have 14, and I'm taking back that cool Charlie Chaplin mustache. First they came for the little Charlie Chaplin mustache, and we said nothing. And further, this means okay, or it means asshole. 
or it means you're at this gas station in uh, in India. Bar Bara, I don't know. I can't see it. I just know that it's there. And pure for sure with this means that their petrol or gasoline for you Americans who always insist on saying things different from the rest of the world is pure. It doesn't mean DNA. So that's all I have to say about that. Should we get to the reading? Before we get to the reading, for those of you who are still with me, I hope you're amused. I just thought, I don't know, I've mentioned it before that, you know, I do these every day. So if I have something I feel I want to say, I feel I should say it. So, so I am. Let's get to the reading though, shall we? I've burned up enough minutes of this. If this is your first time seeing me and you haven't clicked away, oh wait, I already did that thing. So those people already clicked away, presumably. Um, so, hope I haven't horrified anybody. This will probably be one of those videos that gets a dislike or two. It's okay, I've accepted it. Anything else before I go on? Um, Chen Rizig is also known as, and if I'm not mistaken, also known as, uh, that's the Great Unifier, whose proper name I don't remember, but there were a lot of people throughout history who have been said to be an incarnation of Avalokiteshvara. Not to brag or anything, but uh, one person did perhaps half-joking uh, tell me that I was an incarnation of Avalokiteshvara. I don't buy it. Um, but yes, thank you. Um, that's Chen Rizig, by the way, same guy. I think Chen Rizig is the uh, Tibetan name. Avalokiteshvara is the Sanskrit name. Guanyin is the Chinese name. Qin Sao Guanyin. Did I get that right? Any Chinese people? Give me a rating, 1 to 10. How bad was that? I mean, how good was that? 10 means I was perfect, which I know I wasn't. Zero means I absolutely destroyed it. I think I was a six or seven, hopefully. And then, uh, yes, that, that means uh, thousand-armed cannon. Senju cannon is the, uh, is the name in uh, Japanese. And here's um, Senju cannon uh, mechanic. Hopefully I was able to find that so I could put it here. Otherwise, I'll have to edit that out. And then here's some graffiti that <clears throat> we saw recently in uh, Kochi Fort, Fort Kochi in uh, Kerala. Not, probably not meant to be um, a form of Avalokiteshvara, but the uh, Senju Cannon mechanic reminded me that I should share that with you. So, hope you enjoy it. Are you ready for the reading? I know I am. <clears throat> Formal meeting, or Sangha di Sessa, part 11. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Rajagaha in the bamboo grove at the squirrel's feeding place. We're still there. All right. At that time, Devadatta, remember Devadatta from last time? proceeded to a schism in the order, a breaking of the concord. The monks spoke thus, quote, Devadatta is not one who speaks Dhamma. Devadatta is not one who speaks Vinaya. How can this uh, Devadatta proceed with a schism in the order? Uh, by the way, Vinaya, these words occur in a kind of definition of Tathagata. All right, uh, Vinaya. Oh, right, Vinaya. 
discipline, right? Vinaya Pitaka? Is that rules? He is not, I think Vinaya is rules. Anyway, he is not one who speaks rules. Vinaya? Maybe. How can this Devadatta proceed with a schism in the order, with a breaking of the concord? End quote. Having spoken thus, Kokalika, Katamorakitesa, and the son of the lady uh, Kanda, and Samudadatta, the gang is back, um, said to these monks, quote, Do not speak thus, venerable ones. This is what they all sound like when they're speaking collectively. Do not speak thus, venerable ones. Devadatta is one who speaks Dharma. Devadatta is one who speaks Vinaya. And Devadatta, having adopted our desire and objective, gives expression to them. He knows that what he says for us seems also good to us. End quote. Then those who were modest monks were three dots angry and said, quote, how can these monks become those throwing in their lot with and taking part in Devadatta's proceeding for a schism in the order? Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. Quote, Is it true, as they say, monks, that these monks are those who are throwing in their lot with and taking part in Devadatta's proceeding for a schism in the order? And quote, it is true, Lord, they said. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, quote, How, monks, can these foolish men become those to throw in their lot with, to take part in Devadatta's proceeding for a schism in the order? It is not, monks, for the benefit of unbelievers. Three dots. Thus, monks, this course of training should be set forth. If a monk has monks, one or two or three, who throw in their lot with him or take his part, and if these should speak thus, quote within quotes, do not, venerable ones, say anything against this monk. This monk is one who speaks Dhamma. This monk is one who speaks Vinaya, and this monk adopting our desire and objective gives expression to them. He knows that what he says for us seems also good to us, end quote, within quotes. The Buddha is still talking, making his proclamation. These monks should be spoken to thus by monks. Quote, within quotes, do not, venerable ones, speak thus. This monk is not one who speaks Dharma. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. I added that part. That's not in the text. This monk is not one who speaks Vinaya. Please do not let a schism in the order seem good to the venerable ones. Let the venerable ones be at one with the order. For the order being harmonious and on friendly terms, not quarrelsome, dwells comfortably under one rule. End quote. If these monks, having been spoken to by the monks, should persist, 
Then these monks should be admonished up to three times by these monks in a body for giving up their course. If these, having been admonished up to three times, should give it up, that is good. If they should not give it up, that is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. If a monk means a schismatic monk. Has monks means has other monks. Throwing their lot with means he is one having that view, that allegiance, that objective. And these are those having that view, that allegiance, that objective. Take his part means these are standing for his sort, his faction. One or two or three means there are one or two or three. If these should speak thus means, quote, do not, venerable ones, speak against this monk. This monk is one who speaks Dhamma. This monk is one who speaks Vinaya. This monk is one who, having adopted our desire and allegiance, gives expression to them. He knows what he says for us seems also good to us, end quote. These monks means these monks who throw in their lot with. By monks means by other monks who see and who hear. These should say, quote, Do not, venerable ones, speak thus. This monk is not one who speaks Dharma. And this, this monk is not one who speaks Vinaya. Please do not let a schism in the order seem good to the venerable ones. Let the venerable ones be at one with the order, for the order being harmonious and on friendly terms, not quarrelsome, dwells comfortably under one rule. End quote. A second time, they should say three dots. A third time, they should say three dots. If they give it up, that is good. If they do not give it up, it is an offense of wrongdoing. Isn't it an offense of a formal meeting? No, no. Um, these monks, having pulled them into the middle of the order, should say, quote, Do not, venerable monks, speak thus. He is not three dots under one rule. End quote. A second time they should say three dots. A third time they should say three dots. If they give up their course, it is good. If they do not give it up, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Now, since you and I know that Lord Buddha is Lord Buddha, right? We know that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, this, this rule seems reasonable and obvious. While the Buddha is alive, but naturally after a couple hundred years, the guy who's in charge... You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, okay, we have to stick together as one, even though this guy is saying, what? He's saying, he said, did, he say, did you hear him yesterday? That's weird. Okay, we should stick to the original teachings of Lord Buddha. Hey, hey, let's all stay together as one. Then it's like, seems more of a gray area, doesn't it? Not quite as black and white as like, you know, don't sexually harass people. That's like a universal law. But don't schism does kind of seem like it should be taken on a case by case. But I can understand how any any group or corporation needs to have a rule against you know espionage and uh, and uh, fracturing you know and, and uh, secret cliques developing down in in the IT department or wherever you know. 
Um, sorry, too much commentary. Uh, yes, these monks having pulled them, yet these monks should be admonished means, thus monks, they should be admonished, three dots. The order should be informed by an experienced competent monk. Open quote. Let the order hearer me, honored sirs. Such and such monks, having thrown in their lot with such and such a monk, are taking his side in proceeding for making a schism in the order. These do not give up the course. If it is the right time for the order, let the order as a body admonish such and such monks about giving up this course. This is the motion. Honored sirs, let the order hear me. Hear me! Such and such monks, three dots, not give up the course. The order as a body admonishes such and such monks about giving up the course. If it seems good to the venerable ones to admonish such and such monks for giving up this course, you should be silent. If it does not seem good to you, you should speak. Well, a second time, I proclaim this matter. A third time, I proclaim this matter. Three dots, you should speak. Ah, I don't hear anybody speaking, so uh, I, guess, I guess we've all voted, haven't we? Yes. All right. Let the order as a body admonish such and such monks for giving up this course. See, that's kind of implied. So he says, if you think this, then stay silent. Uh, otherwise, you should speak. Let the order admonish. There should be a pause there. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting from having heard myself recite the previous one where the same thing happens is that's kind of how it works. Speak now or forever hold your peace, pause, and then, okay, they're admonished. Right? Makes sense. It seems good to the order, three dots, thus do I understand. End quote. According to the motion, there's an offensive wrongdoing. According to two resolutions, there are grave offenses. This part I really don't, I don't get what he's talking about. Um, at the end of the resolution, there is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. If they are committing... Oh, okay, so if they don't repent after being told three times to repent, that's a wrongdoing. If everybody in the assembly agrees they should be admonished, then it's a grave offense. And if he says, I, therefore, here, we all understand, then it's a formal meeting. But didn't they have to have a formal meeting in order for all of that to happen? If you understand, please do comment below. I would love to hear an explanation if there's some subtlety I'm missing. Or perhaps it's interpreted in a certain way today by Theravadan orders. Um, is this practiced in any form in among Mahayana or Vajrayana monks? Do comment below. Inquiring minds want to know. If they are committing an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order, uh, the offense of wrongdoing according to the motion and the grave offenses, according to the two resolutions, subside. Yes. Um, two or three should be admonished together. Further than that, they should not be admonished. An offense entailing a formal meeting of the order means three dots. Remember yesterday? Okay. Because of that, it is called an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. The day before yesterday, I guess, technically. I took one day off. All right. <clears throat> Thinking a legally valid act to be legally valid, to be a legally valid act, they do not give it up. 
there is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. So the people who are encouraging schism believe that it's right to encourage schism. There's a formal meeting, right? Being in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act, they do not give it up. There is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. Self-explanatory, right? The person, the monk, who's like, no, I don't know, I'm with Devadatta. I, I, you know, I have to throw in my lot with Devadatta. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, my gut tells me i got to throw in my lot with Devadatta because whatever, right? Formal meeting. Being in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act. Ah, we just read that. Um, thinking an act which is not legally valid to be an act which is legally valid. They do not give it up. There is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. All right? Thinking an act which is legally valid to be an act which is not legally valid. It is an offense of wrongdoing. Huh. Okay, that, now that's interesting. So if Lord Buddha punishes somebody and um, they think that that was valid, but it wasn't valid? Wait. Okay, let's say one of the lesser monks does something that was, that was bad, but they think it was good. That's a formal meeting. If the monk does something that was good, but they think it was bad, it's a wrongdoing. I'll have to think about that. I'll think about that. I'll get back to you if like something kind of clarifies itself upon pondering that one. Why is it less of an offense? Thinking an act which is legally valid to be an act which is legally which is not a legally valid act. Oh, we just read that. Being in doubt as to whether it is not a legally valid act, it is an offensive wrongdoing. Not thinking an act which is legally valid to be an act which is not legally valid, it is an offensive wrongdoing. Not thinking an act which is legally valid to be an act which is not legally valid. It is an offensive wrongdoing, presumably if they're encouraging schism in the process. Otherwise, that's not an offensive wrongdoing. If something is legally valid and they don't think it's not legally valid, how is that a wrongdoing? Unless they're like, therefore, I think we should schism. Then, of course, oh, okay. Right? Is it? Am I, am I understanding? It is not an offense if they have not been admonished, if they give it up, if they are mad, out of their minds, in pain, or beginners. Told is the 11th offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. Should we do two today? Why not? You, of course, already knew that because of the title credits or the, uh, the title of the episode on the podcast. Hi, podcast people. I know you can't see me and all my silly shenanigans. We've got like a little Confucius here, a little Chinese fisherman, I presume, because of the hat, um, and a little dragon. They're representing the schismatic monks. Okay, I'm going to assume we're done with the schismatic stuff, I hope. How many rules do you need for don't schism? Is there some other subtlety... I think they might be in a different park. Oh, Channa. Oh, Channa. We're back to Channa. Okay, spoilers. I'm reading ahead. I should stop. Channa. Channa is very naughty. Remember Channa? I don't. I just remember that it's the elephant. 
He did something naughty, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he cut down a tree that was a sacred tree to make room for himself to build a hut. Channa or Vihara, something like that. Formal meeting, Sangha di Sessa, 12. Three dots, okay. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying, that's what goes in the three dots at the beginning of the chapter, which they've replaced with three dots. Can you imagine? Three dots, let there be light. Three dots, separate the land from the earth. Three dots, mankind. Three dots, you're kicked out of Eden. You know, like, I mean, it's a sacred text. That's my point. Is like, at one time, the enlightened one, the Lord was staying. Leave it in, Mr. Horner. Leave it in, Polytech Society. Have a little respect. And please, please come out with new editions of this book that aren't so awful. I mean, I appreciate that I can read these words in English. I do. I just think that the three dots choices need to be rethought. And that part that was left out because Western people don't talk about masturbation should be included. I think other things too, but I'm going to move on. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Kosamba, Kosambi in Gosita's Park. At that time, the venerable Channa, excuse me, Chenrezig Channa, not the same, right? Uh, the venerable Channa invo- uh, indulged in bad habits. My imagination is going wild. I don't know about you. Quote, Reverend Channa, do not do that. It is not suitable. End quote. Is this something Mr. Horner's leaving out? Was he, was he, was he? Uh, he said, quote, What do you, your reverences, think should be said to me? It is I who should tell you. The enlightened one is for us. Dhamma is for us. Dhamma is realized for us by a master. Just as a great wind blowing would raise up grass, sticks, ferns, and rubbish together, or just as a horn, just as a mountain-born river would raise up various water plants together, so you, having gone forth from various names, from various clans, from various lineages, from various families, are raised up together. What do you, your reverences, think should be said to me? It is I who should tell you. The enlightened one is for us. Dhamma is for us. Dhamma is realized for us by a master. Thank you, Chana. I, I hear your frustration. I mean, I get it. But, but what does that have to do with the bad habits you're indulging in? Then those who were modest monks were three dots angry and said, quote, How can the venerable Chana himself being spoken to by the monks in accordance with the Dhamma, reckon himself as one not to be spoken to. End quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. He said, quote, Is it true, as they say, Channa, that you yourself, being spoken to by the monks in accordance with the Dhamma, reckon yourself as one not to be spoken to? It is true, Lord. 
yes. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked him, saying, How can you, foolish small elephant, oh, excuse me, foolish man, being yourself being spoken to by the monks in accordance with Dhamma, reckon yourself as one who is not to be spoken to. It is not foolish man for the benefit of unbelievers. Three dots. Thus, monks, this course of training should be set forth. If a monk is one who is difficult to speak to, and if himself being spoken to by the monks according to Dhamma, concerning the courses of training included in the exposition, he reckons, reckons himself as one not to be spoken to, saying, quote within quotes, Do not say anything to me, venerable ones, either good or bad. And I will not say anything to the venerable ones, either good or bad. Refrain, venerable ones, from speaking to me. End quote. Then that monk should be spoken to thus by the monks. Quote, do not, venerable one, reckon yourself as one not to be spoken to. Let the venerable one reckon himself as one to be spoken to. Let the venerable one speak to the monks in accordance with Dhamma. And then the monks will speak to the venerable one in accordance with Dhamma. Thus is the multitude increased for the Lord. That is to say, by speaking with one another, by assisting one another. And if that monk, when he has been spoken to by the monks, should persist as before, then that monk should be admonished up to three times by the monks together for giving up his course. And if after being admonished up to three times by the monks together, he gives up his course, that is good. If he does not give it up, there is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. If a monk who is difficult to speak to means he is difficult to speak to, endowed with qualities which make him difficult to speak to, intractable, intractable incapable of being instructed, in the courses of training included in the exposition means in the courses of training included in the Pati Moka. Uh, we'll get to those later. It's interesting they make references in these early books to books from later books implying that those books were written first before the first one and the first basket. All right. Uh, maybe the, maybe it's first and first basket because it's most important but not it was written first. Uh, Oh. Let it be known that in episode 27 of Tipitaka, I figured out maybe that the other parts of the Tipitaka were written first, and that these, this is first in order of priority, not in order of when it was written. feel a little embarrassed about that. Okay. By the monks means by other monks. According to Dhamma means that co that course of training made known by the Lord. This is something... This is called according to Dhamma. Himself being spoken to, he reckons himself as one not to be spoken to, saying, quote, Do not, venerable ones, say anything to me, either good or bad. And I will not say anything to the venerable ones, either good or bad. 
Refrain, venerable ones, from speaking to me. End quote. Hmm. I'll buy some. I'd buy that for a rupee. Robocop. Then that monk means that monk who is difficult to speak. Right. Yeah, that monk that said all that stuff. Sorry, got distracted. By the monks means by other monks. They see, these see, these hear. He should be spoken to by these, saying, quote, Venerable one, do not reckon yourself as one not to be spoken to. Let the venerable one reckon himself as one to be spoken to. Let the venerable one speak to these monks in accordance with the Dhamma. And then the monks will speak to the venerable one in accordance with Dhamma. Thus is the multitude increased for the Lord. That is to say, by speaking to one another, by assisting one another. End quote. A second time he should be spoken to, three dots. A third time he should be spoken to, three dots. If he gives it up, that is good. But if he does not give it up, there is an offense of wrongdoing. All right. Okay, so at this point, there's an offense of wrongdoing. If having heard they do not speak, there is an offense of wrongdoing. That monk, having been pulled into the middle of the assembly, should be told, Do not, venerable one, reckon yourself as one not to be spoken to, three dots, by ordaining one another. End quote. A second time he should be told, three dots. A third time he should be told, three dots. If he gives it up, that is good. If he does not give it up, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Still bottom rung, wrongdoing only. All right. That monk should be admonished, and thus monks should be admonished. Okay. The order should be informed by an experienced, competent monk. Quote, honored sirs, let the order hear me. This monk so-and-so being remonstrated, there's a word, with, by the monks in accordance with Dhamma, reckons himself as one not to be spoken to. He does not give up this course. If it is the right time for the order, let the order admonish this monk so that he may give up this course. That is the motion. Honored sirs, let the order hear me. This monk so-and-so, three dots, thus do I understand. So presumably in those three dots are the whole thing about if you agree, remain silent, otherwise say something, and then there's silence, and then he says, okay. So we all agree he should be admonished. According to the motion, there is an offense of wrongdoing. According to the two resolutions, there is a grave offense. All right. So I think at that point, there's a grave offense. At the end of the resolution, there is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. So I guess while that senior monk is talking, it goes from wrongdoing to grave offense. And when he's done talking, it's a formal meeting. Okay. If he is uh, committing an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order, the offense of wrongdoing according to the motion and the grave offenses according to the two resolutions subside. Oh, oh, okay. So if you if you, if it gets if it gets upgraded to a high felony, you're not also guilty of a, of another felony and another misdemeanor. The misdemeanor and the felony disappear, and it's all just the high felony, but not treason, because treason is where you get kicked out. Does that make sense? I think I understand. Um, an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order means... Remember last time? Okay. On account of this, it is called an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. Thinking a legally valid act to be a legally valid act, he does not give it up. 
there is an offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. Being in doubt as to whether it is a legally valid act, three dots. Not thinking an act that is legally valid to be an act that is not legally valid is an offense of wrongdoing. All that stuff. Right. There is no offense if he has not been admonished. If he gives it up, if he is mad, if he is a beginner. Told. Is the twelfth offense entailing a formal meeting of the order? All right. So next time we will uh, read the 13th and final offense entailing a formal meeting of the order. I think that'll be a relatively short one, but not quite as short as these. These were two very short ones. So stick them together. And we're still at what? What is this? 42, 43 minutes? I don't know. I'm seeing 46, 11, but the first few minutes of that was me kind of like putting this on and getting ready and going, <coughs> moving things around, putting this here, and then going, okay. Okay, all right. <laughs> Hi, you know. So, yeah, that always takes a few minutes. Behind the scenes stuff. If you're into behind the scenes stuff, ah, there's some behind the scenes stuff for you. Some of it's behind the scenes of the Esoteric Nerd. That's uh, it's our sister podcast, as you might say. Is it problematic to refer to podcasts with the feminine pronoun? Comment below. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or thoughts about what we went through today, um, comment below. And do, please, if you don't mind. And uh, I think that's it. So I'll go ahead and close. I think I said everything I wanted to say today. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh. Until next time.